Good morning. Fakes and frauds have been a problem for pretty much, well, all of time. The snake fakes out Adam and Eve. Jacob fakes out his dad, Isaac. Some of Jacob's boys fake him out using a garment and some blood. There was a string of false messiah during the Maccabean revolts. And two fellas at the end of Acts 5, Theodos and Judas the Galilean, who have that warrior messiah vibe until they are found to be fakes as they were killed and the followers scattered and their little revolts and movements died. These are just the biblical examples. There is fake money or counterfeit money, fake body parts, fake blood like in the movies, fake business, fake gold deposits like Enron, and of course there is fake news. Our psalm from the psalms that bear the name Asaph is a psalm that further looks into Pastor Nick's opening purpose statement in regards to this series. How do we keep saying God is good amongst the chaos? This morning we're going to deal with how one looks at God and how they see God as good when there are fakes and false gods all around and no justice. The psalm opens with the familiar imagery that we see in the beginning of the book of Job, the divine council. Now picture that in your mind for a second. A big glowing entity sort of standing above some smaller, maybe less lit entities or just some other beings, which can kind of come across as odd for a monotheistic group, those who believe that there is only one God. So then why are there more than one entities in this divine council. This is almost anti-Shema. Anti, there is only one God, and it is Yahweh. But wait, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. There is only one uppercase, big G, in our English text. Although the Hebrew uses the same word for both the uppercase, big Gs, and the little Gs in the text. Elohim. So you have to follow the poetry as it switches between the subjects. Big G, our God is going to judge the gods, lowercase g. This whole gods with a lowercase g need, maybe needs a little more explanation because the writer of the psalm wasn't very specific, which is normal for a piece of poetry. We have to sort of figure out what they exactly mean. Are the gods another way of referring to the judges at the gate? This theory is based on a reading of when Jesus refers to this very psalm in John chapter 10. Or we use verse 6 from within the psalm. You are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. And figure that these are actually angels who are standing in judgment. Or we go with option 3, which is that these lowercase g gods are the pagan deities that were worshipped in the land when the Israelites showed up under Joshua's lead. This use of gods then gives credence to the argument that at least some part of this psalm, or the idea behind this psalm, dates back before the monarchy, before King David, Solomon, and Saul. Option three also gives us some really concrete action points. These fake gods that were in the land stand in judgment because they do not help the cause of the needy. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. These gods do not stand for the weak and fatherless. No, they stand for those who are doing well. 
the landowner who has taken the land in trade for needed food, the slave owner who has amassed slaves as they have food to trade for lives, the one with a good pile of gold, the one who used the weak and destitute to get their pile of gold. These lowercase g gods promote the centralization of power. You can tell who is closest to the lowercase g god by how good their standing is in society. That was the thing with the lowercase g gods that were cool and popular when the Israelites showed up in Canaan. They promoted fertility, good times, and wealth. The Israelite god, the uppercase g god from the text, who's laid down some justice in the divine council here, led the slaves across fire and water to an equally divided, portioned-out land with clear rules on how even the alien was to be fed and taken care of. The Lord judges these lowercase g gods as they have not taken care of the needy and destitute people. The population walks around in darkness, feeling the walls for direction. Crummy leadership leads to daft followers. Go figure. A nice idea that the lowercase g gods did not lead rightly stands across centuries. Whether it is the time before the kings, during the reign of the kings, or during the exile, those lowercase g gods kept creeping back in and leading the people of the Lord into darkness. And the psalmist and the generations who have recited this poetry question why the Lord has allowed these fakes to operate, to even take up space in people's minds. The image then turns on what I'll call the fakeometer. How can you identify a fake God? They die. Verse 7, nevertheless, like men you shall die, and like any prince, fall. Here is where we find within the image-rich poetry that these gods were fake. Uppercase G God, our God, does not die, but these so-called God will they have been judged to be fakes because they have a crucial ethical fabric in them. A fabric of how they carry themselves that is definitely popular at certain points. Points when the fakes are in the in way of directioning their lives. A way of oppression. A way of hoarding. A way of a fear of scarcity. A fear of not having enough. Only the Lord our God seeks the welfare of those who are vulnerable or who have been taken advantage of. The story of Exodus, the story of Jesus' ministries, rings of these countercultural actions. And those lowercase g gods are there too within the biblical narrative. Guys like Ramses and their gods within the Egyptians, they're shown to be fakes in their battle with Moses and our God. The Sadducees, even to a certain extent, build a religion that's their own little god in a way, and it is shown to be a fake by the work of Jesus. The Romans, they've got their own little setup. In the end, they actually convert and change over to Christianity. We are definitely living in a time of both chaos and scarcity. Our whole way of living is shifting, or at least the way the economy works. Folks are scrambling to find out how they will keep their homes, their jobs. We seek to gain back what we think is normal. Throw on top of that a political upheaval that is amongst a decade and a half of rising and social and racial tensions of an uneven nature of our economy. It sure does sound like there is a battle against what those lowercase g gods were standing for. 
Unfortunately, the church, the Christ follower, does not always appear to the world to be the one who rescues the weak and needy, delivering them from the hand of the wicked. One might go further and say that factions call out the self-proclaimed Christ follower a fake for their lack of action to rescue the weak and needy. It is honestly an easy trap to fall into, a place where we enjoy the blessings of God, but yet we worship that very blessing, the thing and not the giver. We make our pagan idols that we put ahead of our Lord, ahead of Jesus. We make our own lowercase g-gods in our lives. And then our thinking can move on to the needy. The needy, they got there because they, they need to learn to help themselves. I got here because I am not weak. Or even worse, we begin to think that our success that we have or do not have is relative to our relationship to our Lord. These thoughts and actions lock the poverty in a place that they cannot get out of. It will eventually lead to the downfall of an empire. It happened to Israel. It is happening to our neighbors to the south. And maybe on your point of view, it is happening here in Canada. As the psalmist writes, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. What an image for when we corporately disregard the needy and the weak. The world literally falls apart. Picture a dirt clod. Farmers in the crowd will definitely be able to picture that in their mind. Picture yourself tossing the dirt clod from one hand to the next, back and forth. As it goes, small pieces fall off. Back and forth it goes until finally all you are left with is dust. The text calls the people of God, the ones reciting the psalm, to not some sort of abstract concept in our relationship with Jesus. No, these are concrete actions, helping the weak and needy, keeping them from harm. Real followers stay strong, but the text challenges the foundations of those who just call these words abstract. Same goes for the lowercase g, gods, whom we follow, who do not give justice to the weak and the fatherless, who do not maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. So we see the crumbling and destruction revealing these fake gods. But then we have the last verse in the psalm. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. The poem, the song has led us to this point. The worship within the psalm has led us to this point. The challenge to the humans is that they give people the straight, upright actions, even if they have no standing in society. There is, unfortunately, the failure of humankind and of these fake lowercase g gods that they will meet their end. The failure of the fakes. But there is this corporate hope that resides within the crumbling foundations. That God, Elohim, will judge the earth and he will inherit the nations. And this word for nations in Hebrew is gawi, which is an all-encompassing word. Not like goyim, which is just the non-Hebrew Gentiles. And not just the God-fearing Jewish folk. It is simply the massing of all people. God will inherit, take hold of the mass of all people, and his justice will be installed. Think of the centuries of the believers in God who have held on to this hope. 
is some form of this psalm, or the idea of this psalm is as old as we think, which may be pre-monarchy, pre-King David, we have some scenarios to view this hope through. When the Midianites are raiding the Israelites with their superior numbers and camels, it is the hope that God will install his justice and these pesky raiders will stop stealing their crops. When the Philistines mock the Israelite God, it will be the Philistine God who is shown to be a fake and not real. When the kings of Israel conscript their sons, steal their daughters to make a living off of, and tax the people into slavery, it is their hope that they will get their piece of land back and their families back with them to live. When the rich cows of Bashan betray their fellow Yahweh worshippers and the people who reside in Israel, it is the hope that they will get their fair share of bread in trade for a shekel. When the Assyrians carry off the northern tribes to be slaves, it is the hope that this justice will be installed and they will be able to go back home and worship the Lord, their God, in their temple. When the disciples are praying at John Mark's place, it is the hope that Peter will be freed, for all he had done was preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now maybe we don't recite this psalm as a way of declaring that God will install what is right for the world all that often. I had never thought of this as a social justice with a flavor of eschaton kind of text. But there are other ones out there. Micah 4.4 is one of my favorites. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Or the one that most, if not all believers, should know, which is thy kingdom come from the Lord's prayer. We proclaim that we worship the one true God when we start that prayer. And then it is the invasion of justice that Jesus exemplified, that we cling to. Or to keep with what I ended, the last message I took part in, from the second last verse of Revelation to John, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It goes further than just hoping and having faith, though. The psalmist is challenging the fakes to do, to do justice, to act justly. I surely don't want to fall into their category. Does this mean we run around and paint on statues of the people who may or may not have acted so justly? I doubt that is what the text had in mind. I bet the psalm doesn't even mean for us to take to Facebook to criticize this or that. No, we are challenged to seek justice for those who are disadvantaged by the false gods. And we are to do this fueled by the Holy Spirit directing us to act justly, following the Spirit of Christ. We can show that there is enough for all when we stop fearing that we ourselves won't have enough. We act out justice, doing what we can only in the shadow of the great hope that Jesus will come back and no one will cry again. No matter how crazy our world gets, no matter the level of injustice, we have a hope in our Savior. There are many threads that run through our Bible. A set of parallels exist. One of the justice that rises up from the cry of the downtrodden, the widow and the orphan, the weak and the needy, and the justice that is called upon from those above. A favorite preacher and teacher of mine talks about how the royal edicts from Pharaoh, the kings of Israel, 
all the way up to Rome talk about the idea of their justice, their rules, the ones that keep them in control. Counter to that is the sound of the groans of the Hebrew slaves. The gathering of the regular folks at the side of the mountain to hear directly from the Lord the laws on how to love one's neighbor. The proclamation of the prophet to do as the psalm proclaims. And then there is the mission of Christ who seeks the naked and demon-possessed fella in the rough part of town to make them whole and reveal God's glory. What category do we want to fall in? The one that wanders in darkness? If we want to do our part in the mission of Christ and spread the good news of salvation, we must be people of gospel to the widow and the orphan through concrete actions of grace through relationship. We are challenged to show that we are not fakes and that we do not follow a fake. No, we follow a savior who does real things and we have faith that he will do one great last thing and install his justice. Amen.